Victor and Lois are siblings who were both diagnosed with generalised anxiety disorder. Lois lives and works in London and Hector is a student living in Vienna. In their weekly podcast, Anxiety Calling, they'll be talking about different aspects of living with generalised anxiety disorder and how they get by in day-to-day life. Welcome to episode seven of Anxiety Calling. I'm Hector. And I'm Lois. And this week we're going to be talking about anxiety and health. So it's all about um, our anxieties about our physical health and physical well-being. Yeah. And um, I'm going to start with a question. How many fatal diseases were you convinced you had and yet you're here today with us still? I don't know. That's like a, that's a giant number, Hector. They have like once a day, I have an incurable disease. Mm. Oh, I'm convinced I have some kind of. Okay, what was the last one? <laughs> the last one. Oh, okay. I can tell you the last one that I remember um, thinking that I had was a couple of days ago, when what had happened was my. Um, partner had made pasta and he put way too much salt in it. It was so salty. I couldn't believe how salty it was. And then after eating it, um, and I finished it because, you know, I didn't want to waste any of it. I suddenly had like a really bad tummy ache and I felt really nauseous. I was just like in absolute agony. And then I was convinced I had multiple organ failure because I'd recently heard about a, um, a case where this poor boy had wanted to join a fraternity and they made him do a hazing where they, where they gave him, they wouldn't let him drink any water. They like got him really, really twatted. And then he was like, had alcohol poisoning, I think. And they wouldn't give him any water. And instead they made him like drink urine and, um, and, and, and like fish oil, which has lots of salt in it. And then eventually when he was like dying, they finally dropped him off at a hospital, but they didn't mention all of the terrible things they did to him. And so the hospital didn't realize he was, he had multiple organ failure and then he died of multiple organ failure as a result of too much salt in his system. And you thought and that I thought was I, happening to you? Yes, that's what I thought happened. Cause I was in so much pain. I don't know what was wrong. It was really awful, mm. but it wasn't multiple organ failure. And And I did drink a lot of water then. Yes. (laughs) I drank lots of water then because I was like, well, ha, he didn't drink any, he wasn't allowed to drink any water and that's why he died. So I'm going to drink lots of water. And I was then, it was actually, I was also recently, I ate a pizza that was just really, really salty. I ordered it and I ate it, the whole thing. And um, I also, I just woke up in the middle of the night because I was so thirsty and just couldn't stop drinking water. Mm. And then of course, I was also convinced that because I'd read somewhere that, (laughs) <laughs> if you're really thirsty all the time, it can be a sign that you have cancer or it can be a sign that you have diabetes. Um, and so I was, yeah, I was convinced for a while that I had one of the two. Um, I think it's a real problem is having a kind of, actually probably quite a creative mind. But um, if you have very basic medical knowledge or if you read things here or there, um, then it can cause quite a lot of anxiety. And definitely the worst thing that I have many times done is I have a symptom which isn't actually that uncomfortable. It's just 
slightly uncomfortable, slightly painful, or just weird. And everyone knows this, that when you Google a symptom, <laughs> it can be basically anything. It always leads back to cancer if you Google it. Cancer or a stroke or I don't know. Like I mean, if you have a headache or slight headache, it could be literally anything. It could be dehydration. It could be stress. It could be a brain tumor. It could be, oh God. <laughs> Do you remember when I was writing my bachelor thesis about train spotting and then I contacted you convinced that I had AIDS or HIV? Yeah, I think I do remember. I can't remember how you thought you'd contracted HIV. Well, probably from sex. Probably was that what you I, thought? How you yes. Got it? Oh. Well, I've, you know, I've had sex before and I thought, what if, you know, what if one of the peeps mm. had had it and I didn't know and like... Because I, I mean, I do, I, I do go for you know regular sexual health screenings because I'm terrified of getting anything. So I do do that on a very regular basis. But still, I remember writing the bachelor thesis, um, and I was, it was about train spotting. So I was like watching the film, I mean both films, plus uh, reading the play and also reading the book, or both books actually. And um, <laughs> suddenly, I was just. I became really, really paranoid about it. So I started Googling the symptoms and like one of the things that it said was, oh, you know, you might not know that you have it because it could be lying dormant. And it was like, you know, what usually happens is when you contract HIV, you get like a a really bad flu. Mm. And then I was thinking of all of the times that I had sex with someone and then afterwards had a flu. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like... I think I've done, actually, I think I've probably done all in all in my life, seven HIV tests. And I have to say, nothing compares to the feeling for an anxious person of getting... Yeah, you call me every time, Hector. (laughs) Negative. That really does, you know, it's like getting a second. Because the thing is, I do really, shortly before I get the results of any kind of test I do, whether it's COVID, which I've done four times now already, and not because I want to but i had to i have to say this um hiv or any kind of test is just before then i am absolutely convinced that i up until i get the result i am convinced that i have the, the illness i remember once because it's it was like a schrodinger's cat isn't it you could or it's you like couldn't. schrodinger's cat yeah you could you know and right now there are many things i could or i could not have <laughs> and um the problem is after the test no wait before the te- after the test is always before the next test so yeah yeah anything could happen in between but i did i remember so this is something i just remembered i was um god it was like five years four four or five years ago i had a bad bronchitis mm-hmm. and um then i went to the doctor and the doctor listened to my lungs and he said hmm you know, I'm not 100% sure. I can't hear exactly what I want to hear. So maybe we should just do an x-ray to see if you have a lung infection. Mm-hmm. And um, lung infection seemed bad. But then I also thought to myself, I've never had an x-ray and I used to smoke so much. What if now they finally find that weird pain that was always there? <laughs> and so I went to the doctor to get the x-ray. And the doctor, they x-rayed me and I was in a room and I was getting really nervous because I was just, you know, it was taking ages. And then there were like old men coming out of the of the of the of the doctor's room, and all, they, all of them seemed to be crying because they'd just been told they would. I don't know. It just seemed to me like that. And then the doctor opens the door, and there's two of them, and he says, um, "Mr. Schofield," I said, "Yes," and um, 
And I get up and then he sort of smiles at me and I thought to myself, why is he oh, smiling? Doctor's only smile if they have it's the death smile. Doctors only smile if they have bad news. <laughs> so I, I also I started so I, I sat down sort of very faintly, sort of, you know, like a like a uh what do you call it when a flower is <laughs> a wilting flower? Like a wilting flower I sat down. <laughs> and then he said, Yeah, so everything's fine with you and then I that was it. Uh. And um but yeah, it was a great feeling coming out of that doctor's office because it felt like I had a second lease on life after I was convinced that they were going to find some kind of growth on my lung x-ray. People, or at least you and I for sure, um, as people with GAD, we monitor our bodies all the, all time. the time. Always like scanning down our bodies, trying to detect anything, you know, looking for things. And it's one of those things where like, if you're asked by someone like, oh, you know, how do you feel? When I start really thinking about how I feel, then I start to realize, oh, actually I have a headache or actually, you know what? I kind of feel a bit sick or, you know, all these things that aren't actually, which I wouldn't necessarily have noticed if I hadn't started thinking about it because I'm constantly scanning my body, mm -hmm. trying to look for things that are wrong and things that, you know, like warning signs. I'm always looking for warning signs. So on a regular basis, I find things that I, you know, I worry about. And then inevitably I obsess about them for a while. Um, Google them, I usually end up as a doctor and actually every time it's been like, actually, you know what, you're fine. There's nothing wrong with you. Which is not to say I haven't had some things which were quite uncomfortable. Like I once had a kidney infection. That was awful. Yeah, that sounds horrible. I mean, but we were also talking about it last week, actually, when we were talking about physical symptoms of GAD. I think like, for me, the obsession with my heart is definitely a, a sort of a health thing. And like you said, scanning my body all the time, watching out for irregular or fast heartbeats, um, headaches. You know, it's, I'm always scanning and ready to expect a heart attack or a stroke, which is completely ridiculous. Mm. But um, yeah, but adding on to that, all the, the other things like, I don't know, worrying about food poisoning or worrying about COVID, especially right now. Um, yeah, I remember you asking me, it seems like... <laughs> It seems like so long ago now. I think it was in February or something. You called me and you asked me, like, are you worried about getting COVID nineteen, Lois? And mm -hmm. and we had a bit of a chat about it. And at the time, like, I wasn't particularly worried because it wasn't. It hadn't really. It hadn't. All hell hadn't broken loose yet in Europe, so mm. I wasn't super worried because every, the thing is, like, you have to imagine for me the first i think one of the first um epidemics where i was like really really scared was sars when i was a child i remember being terrified of it okay. and then worry me at all i was so yeah. worried about it i don't i i mean i mean i was i was really small so i didn't and i as a child i had a very i was very good at sort of making things a lot bigger in my mind and it did seem very dangerous to me at the time i just saw like you know the headlines i didn't read all the articles and stuff i just saw headlines and i was really scared and then i remember being convinced i had bird flu as well and being convinced i had swine flu um and this is why i can't watch i mean people and i'm sure there are some very good ones people love watching um tv series or about, Netflix series about about hospitals about hospitals I can't oh watch yeah them. I watched Grey's Anatomy and believe me I was can't watch <laughs> I was it. So even paranoid. Scrubs even Scrubs scared the shit out of me <laughs> I was good you know it could be anything just just watching surgery just makes me you know or I don't know a friend is telling me 
friend recently had, had appendicitis and she told me about it in great detail. And I was, you know, I went home and lay down because I had a pain inside my I'm, I, once a year, I'm convinced belly. I have appendicitis. Once a year. And I've mm. been going to the doctors for years about this. And then they'll do like, I'll convince them that they have to take a, like a scan. I'll need to like do a, you know, an ultrasound. Mm. And then they'll say, you know, it's usually, it's actually, it's just usually me ovulating because mm. that's quite painful sometimes. And that's usually what it is. But I'm never convinced. And like, that's the thing for me, like, there are so many weird pains that suddenly come up and it could be anything. Like it could be just a, it could be a uterus thing. It could be a, you know, ovary thing. Um, it could be, be my bladder. Thing. It could be a muscular thing or it could be appendicitis or it could be, you know, something terrible. I could have like, I could have a ruptured, I don't know, anything. I mean, it is unfortunate that anxiety and panic does cause very specific and quite painful physical um, symptoms mm-hmm. and um, yeah, yeah. which then if you think about it too much I mean I definitely there are many symptoms of anxiety and stress and panic that for me in my mind are 100% fatal when I'm thinking about it um, yeah or just random pains you know, once I was I was working in a hotel as a night porter I was okay I was supposed to do walk around the hotel once every two hours to check everything's mm-hmm. okay and I usually did it just before going to bed. <laughs> anyway, so I was doing this round and then suddenly I got this, this, my right leg just really hurt. It just hurt my leg. It was just my leg was hurting. Oh, dear. <laughs> and then I remembered, I think one of our brothers once told us when we were children about some kind of disease where your arm or your leg just suddenly starts really hurting and just drops off. I mean, <laughs> this disease doesn't exist, I don't think. I wonder if that's like sometimes I wonder if that's the source of my health anxieties is things that I was told as a child that were simply not right. I mean, it is quite impressive though how creative your brain can mm. be. I mean, I see myself actually, I already see myself then undergoing surgery or oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, being yeah. Uh, reanimated or I don't know. Or dying. And then I think about all of the things that will happen after I died. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, I think okay, I'm, sometimes plan my own funeral and everything. I, I don't go that far anymore. Um, <laughs> I, you know, just that part depresses me. <laughs> I just... It's really sad. And sometimes you get like, it's, it's what's, what amazes me is how real these scenarios feel sometimes. Like we'll probably go deeper into these imaginary scenarios in a different episode, but sometimes it'll, it'll get, get really out of hand. And then you're sitting there like weeping about how sad this scenario is that you do you do that or is that just me no i don't do that i just if i'm sitting on the loo and i have a weird pain in (laughs) one of my testicles or in in my bottom or anywhere and i'm convinced okay that's it exitus then i um (laughs) butt cramps are one of the worst things in the world (laughs) oh also because like i'm i saw i saw a sheep at a sheep farm like shit out its own colon. Yeah, I'm worried about that too. I'm yeah. really scared about. I don't want to do that. But anyway, no. so I, don't, I don't sit there and weep. I just sort of, I think I just sort of freeze and like I stare into the distance and I sort of, I think about um, how unfair life is. <laughs> and I think to myself, why? How can there be a God if he invented diseases like, you know, any kind of most diseases most diseases they suck yeah i had a a bad habit for a while of watching (laughs) 
watching like it, was, it must have been an American show, but I would watch it on YouTube because you couldn't get it, you know, in Europe. And it was like these like weird medical mysteries of like brand like the weirdest diseases that no one has, like maybe five people in the world have, you mm. know. And or like, you know, these crazy medical things. Like I remember the like it was one about the the one of the few times where someone actually survived catching rabies, which is like very hard to do because rabies is so scary. And then I on in this thing it showed me like videos of people with rabies. And I was real people? Real people with rabies. Like it was like with like yeah, it was really scary. It was Fuck. like video footage of people who have rabies who I mean obviously then did die because rabies is rabies is so scary. Like I don't know if you know the ins and outs of rabies, but I looked into it and that has been a big fear of mine. Um mm. Especially like if, I mean, that one time I went but to... Aren't you vaccinated against No, I'm not rabies. vaccinated against rabies. I mean, you can get a vaccine. Okay, here's the thing. No, okay, let me... Oh, I'm going to go on a quick excursion against. here. Wait, how did you get a rabies vaccination? I had to, like, I couldn't get one. So I wanted to get one. Okay. Uh, so I went to Thailand once. Or do you only get the shot if you get bitten? You You can get the shot if you get bitten. But the point is, so you don't... Rabies isn't like... You're, you're rather unlikely to I get a friend rabies. of mine just got a friend of mine about two weeks ago just a crow landed on her head and, and she got rabies shot and pecked well, her head that's just... <laughs> and then she got a, a rabies okay, well, i would shot. do that too though because like if the thing is the most likely i told scenario... her to get the rabies shot <laughs> oh of course you did okay but the most likely scenario in which you would get it is um if you were bitten by um a wild animal right which yeah. is unlikely to happen to you if you live well, in a yeah, city but really. a crow landed on her head and pecked her head yeah i would get a rabies shot then too just to be on the safe side because it was obviously an aggressive crow if it was pecking some can crows get rabies well i think they gave her the vaccination well so here was the deal i wanted to get a rabies shot before going to thailand that one time years ago because I was really scared about getting rabies, but um, I didn't have enough money. It was over 200 euros to get a rabies shot. And then I was like, okay, well, the chances of me getting rabies are fairly low, but as um, rabies is a bit of a problem in Thailand, if you, if anything happens, that makes you think, okay, well, you know, if I get bitten by a bat or something, as a, that's a really scary one. So like, if I'm not sure, hey, I'm going to have to look into that here. Tetanus, could... I'm also worried about, I haven't got oh, I have my, my tetanus shot. I have to get that done again. I haven't done it for 10 years and I've been meaning to do it. I had actually even got the, the vaccination, the, the, the piece of paper to get the vaccination and everything, because in Austria you have to, in Austria, you get you go to your doctor, you get a prescription, you take your prescription to the chemist, you go to the chemist, you get the vaccination, you go back to your doctor. Really? Oh God, that's and a hassle. They, yeah, it's a real hassle. And then you make an appointment, then you pay fifteen euros, and then but it's, you know you don't pay for the vaccination, mm. the shot itself. But then COVID came and the doctors all closed, and then I thought, okay, fuck this. Mm, yeah. And so I didn't do it in the end. But I don't tread on any rusty nails. Yeah, I'm always treading on rusty nails. <laughs> I I have my 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 tetanus shot is up to date because well, tetanus I, is a really bad one as well. You, you it's know what so scary. You, when you have tetanus, yeah, I stopped watching TV shows and documentaries and reading articles and newspapers about um, physical ailments because I and mental ailments actually. I mean, it depends. Some of it I still read anyway because I knew that knowing the more I knew or the more I knew, but still on a very very amateur very basic level, level very basic level would just contribute to my anxiety if i did wake up with a weird feeling anywhere in my body and um yeah so i think i avoid that 
Yeah, it's probably wise. I don't know why. I mean, I d I've stopped watching the scary medical ones, to be fair, because um, it was having a negative... I did notice it was influencing me in a negative way that I was developing symptoms that didn't exist. Um, and it's also not just that, shows. but I was diagnosing other people with stuff they didn't have. Yeah, but I mean, if someone had something and I was like, oh, I heard a case about someone where they had this and it turned out that, and then it was like some really weird thing that they had that no one could detect. Mm -hmm. That was uh, that's something that I then started doing as well, which was a bit of a problem. So I've but stopped it's, watching It's a bit like now. watching murder series though. Yeah, I do that because, as well. Because then, you know, if you watch too many murder series and detective things, you're convinced you walk out the house and you know you've gone five meters and you've walked past two sex offenders uh but um the more fictional crime or fictional mm. health things i watch i mean especially fictional stuff because obviously if you're watching a doctor's series they'll you know they're not gonna they're not gonna do they're gonna have appendicitis in every show no <laughs> they're gonna no. have something have which is very rare stuff. Stuff yeah, where they can't figure out what it is. Things where they can't figure out, because that makes it more exciting to watch for people yeah. who don't, you know, aren't convinced that they can have it. I mean, I think probably if I were to watch a doctor show which was real, it would be more calming. So if I just saw, yeah. oh, okay, this person has a cold, this person has appendicitis. Yeah, but, this person um, has nothing, and it's just somebody with an anxiety disorder who comes here all the time with yeah. phantom symptoms. So that would probably, I would like, I think for me, I would really enjoy a doctor's show about just a normal general practitioner. And, you know, you'd probably you'd just go to sleep after three minutes because five people would come in with a cold and or because they just don't want to go to work and they need a sick note. You oh, know, yeah. that's the kind of, you know... Um, that would work for you. That would work for me. And if it was like educational, well, and taught you like useful things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, would, that would definitely work for me. I, want I think to, we're onto something, Hector. A realistic um, doctor's show. That would be the thing for me. Yeah, I think that would work. It's true. I think Grey's Anatomy did really get to me. There was this one episode where this dude was like, had alien hand syndrome. What's alien hand syndrome? Oh, you sure you want to know? Well, you might as well tell me now. Okay. Alien hand syndrome is where it's like your hand you think your hand doesn't belong to your body and it like does random stuff and you can't control it. Is this a mental thing? Yes. Is it a neurological thing? Yeah. And you think that your hand isn't your own hand anyway. And then he like cuts off it. I can't remember if it's his leg or his hand, but he cuts it off with a chainsaw. Disclaimer, in a world where mental illness is a hot topic, two siblings who are not mental health professionals are trying to raise awareness and help end the stigma of mental illness with a podcast. Are they heroes? Maybe. We may never know. But what we do know is that they are not mental health professionals, and any advice and information given in this podcast is based on their personal experiences and is meant to raise awareness and help end the stigma of mental illness. Did we mention they are not mental health professionals thank you for listening this message was brought to you by the good of humanity aka jib the disclaimer dude aka jared roland Whitbang. yeah any disease i read about i can imagine developing it getting it and i also automatically start searching for symptoms yeah. there's actually quite there's a uh, there's a book by derham k jerome three men in a boat or Either that one or the one. Is it the one in Germany or the one in the boat? Well, it's one of them, but one of them. It's either that one or in Germany. But they um, and so this book was written for those who don't know. It was written, I think, at the turn of the century. I think it was long. It was like it was. Was it the twenties? 
I think yeah, around definitely a long time ago. Long time ago. Anyway, I think so it might have been earlier than the 20s, actually. Come to think one of, of them has a medical a book, a book with medical conditions in it with him. And he starts reading it to them. And <laughs> they all eventually they all realize that they have these conditions, they have these diseases. So that was I think that's three men in a book. Yeah, I think so. Because I don't, I haven't read it. I only read Three Men on a Bummel. Yeah, no, I think it's Three Men on a Bummel. And um, they, so that was like the turn of the century version of Googling <laughs> symptoms. Um, if we had been alive so at that a, point, we would totally have had that book. Yeah, it's not a new new condition, I think. No, I think hypochondria is kind of like, because, you know, some people also who don't have an anxiety disorder have hypochondria. Like yes, that's true, yeah. It's a, it's a thing that's been around for a long, long, long time. Yeah. I don't, and I I mean, I'm not sure I'd have to ask a, more friends of mine with with an anxiety disorder if they also have a tendency to do this or if it's if it's something that we particularly do. I'd have to ask around. I'm not entirely sure. I just, I just know that we definitely do that. And, I mean, I and think always have. Like, I remember yeah. as a child being like this. I remember when my teeth fell out and the new ones were growing back, I thought I was melting. Mm. Mm. That was terrifying. But I didn't tell anyone because I thought they'd be upset. You thought they would be upset? Well, I thought they'd be upset that I'm dying. All so right. I thought it would probably be better to just die in, you know, <laughs> quietly somewhere without them knowing. Mm. But I did also think that I had breast cancer when my breasts started to grow, which I did ask our mom about, and she did um, reassure me that I did not have breast cancer. Mm. That was really scary yeah. because I had lumps suddenly in my boobs. Yeah, I mean, of course, if you're an anxious child, then physical changes in your body can, of course, be unsettling. <laughs> and you can only hope that there are people that do actually inform you and talk to you about this kind of stuff which yeah. actually didn't happen when i was a teenager there was no they didn't very little information about what's happening in your body and why why it's changing like this and puberty um, was terrifying because yeah. there was all these things happening yeah and yeah also weird pains in your body and, and well yeah growing pains for one oh, growing i don't pains, yeah. i hate really growing i still get something that feels like growing pains and then i'm worried that i have bone cancer yeah, I have growing pains. I have one of my wisdom teeth is still sort of trying to push its way out. I should probably go and get it taken you out. I should probably get it taken out. I got mine. I, I remember with my frigging wisdom teeth. Our dentist said that they were fine and that they were coming out naturally and I had nothing to worry about. And then at some point I switched dentists. And then that dentist said, oh my God, your jawbone is dissolving to make space for your wisdom teeth. We have to take them out right away. It was, it was terrifying. I they got them out in time. My jaw's fine, but like... I have all four of my wisdom teeth. And actually, three of them are, you know, very in very good position. And I'm speculating that when um, Armageddon does happen, <laughs> that I will need these teeth to continue eating bark or something. Eat, eat metal. <laughs> anything. Uh, Aren't you a nice... bit concerned if you only have three, though? That's an odd number. No, no, I have, I have no, three of them are, are good. The fourth one is growing diagonally through my other teeth, so that one is a problem. You're going to have to get rid of that, heck, otherwise yeah, you... I'm gonna make... go ne- yeah, I'm going to go next week, maybe, or the week after. It's <laughs> <laughs> not so bad getting your wisdom teeth out. Although I did feel like, you know... It depends I... who does it, Lois. Okay. Sometimes they just break <laughs> off 
and then you know they have to take the root without the tooth out, and then they have to cut open the whole jaw and everything. Well, they had to do that anyway. They had to cut. They had to like cut into my. God. But they, <laughs> but like I remember thinking like, oh, this is gonna be so bad. It's gonna be fine. And that my this dentist was not gentle at all. He was like yanking at my face, trying to. I mean, it didn't hurt because I had all of the drugs. That's another thing. Like, can't be worse when I broke my hand. Um, no, probably not. I've never broken anything. I mean, I've broken many bones, but so I broke my hand and they surgically placed two bits of of metal, two metal rods in my Really? So you're like Wolverine? I was, but they had to... They They took them out? They took them out again. But wait, so they put them in with a full anesthetic Mm -hmm. and... But to remove them, they decided I don't need to be. I can be conscious when they cut open my hand and pull two bits of metal out of my hand, which has grown in <laughs> after two months. And I thought, okay, I was nineteen and crazy, so I thought, yeah, you know, whatever. And um, YOLO. <laughs> YOLO. <laughs> of course, when I got to the operation theater at seven a.m., I was feeling more vulnerable. <laughs> it was disgusting. It was really disgusting. It was the most disgusting thing that's ever happened to me. And I kind of imagine wisdom teeth being pulled kind of like that. Only, it's yeah. not, I mean, it's not so bad. And honestly, like, personally, I wasn't like, because, you know, you hear these stories like, oh, my entire face was like, I mean, I was swollen. Yeah, but like, I could still eat. I ate perfectly normally. I didn't eat like porridge all the time. I, I think I came home and ate a steak. I think I'm going to go to the dentist. My, my my friend recently had her wisdom teeth pulled and she went to a dentist, which is especially for people who are afraid of dentists. I don't know what they do there to make me less afraid. Maybe they give you like sedatives and stuff. Hmm. Or maybe they're just nicer to you. I you know? think they're just nicer. You know what? But I, I was wondering about this. Um, <laughs> because like, because um, there are dentists that are specifically for that. And also like um, what I found out here was um, there are also like, um, special places you can go to for so especially like gynecologists and stuff for you know women who are like particularly anxious about you know getting reg- you know their pap smears and stuff mm. and I think that's a really great thing but it's like hard to get an appointment because they're so booked out because there's yeah. so many women like need this and then I'm kind of wondering why aren't all gynecologists just nice to you yeah no I was, I was thinking the same just now I mean why should there be why should one have to go to special dentists yes gynecologists or or different kind of doctors who are more who are more careful with you or more like, careful or better at treating people who have who are anxious about treatment yeah that should just be the default right and if you want to be like if you want to i don't know maybe there should be like special hardcore dentists for you know people who enjoy terrifying dentists bdsm you know, experiences yeah i mean i can see that being a thing to be honest mm. but yeah I'm i was sure kind of it is a thing i was because i i when i yeah i, I think I someone once thinking, asked me to send them a picture of me wearing a mask you know <laughs> wait a covid mask or like well, yeah, like a, like a gimp a, mask. No, God, Lois. No, no, no. You were talking about BDSM. I'm not sure. <laughs> not the gimp mask. I'm sorry, like, I wasn't sure where this came from. You suddenly said, after talking about slightly t- talking about BDSM dentists, you suddenly like asked the, yeah, about... But dentists, wear, dentists always wore the, the COVID protection masks even before COVID. Yes, and, um, they did. So she asked me to send a picture of me wearing a mask. Okay. And then, yeah... Wait, wait, why did she do that? She wanted to know what it looked like. It was at the beginning of COVID. And then she was said she a dentist? Like a dentist? No. 
She wasn't. This is such a random story. I'm so confused right now. Yeah, but you know <laughs> how it is, you know. It is what it is. <laughs> but why would it make sense if she was a dentist? Well, I thought, because she, she wears a mask all the time and she wanted to see what you look like with a mask because she just sees patients without masks because need she needs to be able to get into their mouths, right? And so maybe what she likes or what she finds interesting is people wearing masks. Yeah, no, no she was a photographer. So. Well, you do look good in a COVID mask. That's, is that a nice thing? <laughs> is that a nice thing to say to <laughs> I feel like you can really pull it off. Yeah, it brings out my eyes. Brings out your eyes and your forehead. Mm-hmm. Anyway, <laughs> back to anxiety and health. Ah, a classic one that I do um, actually is when I have, you know, one of those illnesses that are quite, you know, um, normal Little? to get. Yeah, ah. like just sort of like one of those regular illnesses that you get, you know, every couple of years or every year, like, like you know, just the regular flu or, or the neurovirus, like things like that, or, or a cold. Yep. is that in my mind it never is just that like I can't it takes it's hard for me to just be like oh well to just put that label on it and say okay well this is just a norovirus it'll right. be over in a couple of days and I'm gonna be fine it's always like oh no this is e, e. coli yeah I mean, every slight cold I've had since January every throat tickle every slightly blocked nose in my mind was actually COVID-19 Oh yeah, every morning I wake up with a with a sore throat. I'm worried about that too. And my main worry, actually, to be honest, in this particular case, I'm not. Even though I know that it has affected young people, even young people who are not at risk, it has affected some terribly. Um, mm. I'm not. It's not really that I'm particularly scared for myself. My main worry, I'm so paranoid about having it and not knowing it, and then giving it to someone else. Because yeah, the testing too. system his, isn't um, like you can get a home testing kit if you have symptoms um, or if your boss needs you to get one, but you can't sort of like randomly do a test just, mm -hmm. you know. And so I am my main paranoia is sort of like, what if I'm asymptomatic? What if I have a what if I have it? But what I don't if you're a super know. spreader. What if I'm a super? That is a big one for me. No, I mean, I worry about that, too. So. I mean, I was always obsessed with washing my hands and I do that even more now and disinfect my hands everywhere. I really doesn't, I don't understand why people have such a problem with wearing a mask. I actually, yeah. there's so many things that are good about wearing a mask. Yeah. One thing is it saves lives. The other thing is people don't recognize me in public, so I don't have to talk to them. It's for, as a, for, I mean, I mean, it sort of goes both ways, actually, in my opinion, with the with with GADs. On the one hand, it for me, I see it as a positive thing because I am such a hypochondriac, and so being in crowded tubes, I was always quite uncomfortable not wearing a mask. Mm. You know, even when it wasn't completely normal not to wear a mask, but whenever yeah, I saw same. someone wearing a mask, I was always kind of like, I would like to do that, but I'm also kind of worried people will think I'm insane, so I didn't wear a mask, even though it would have made me feel very comfortable. Mm. And so now. Honestly, I think I might just keep wearing a mask when, even if it comes to a point where we don't actually have to, I might just keep doing it. Because well, I was thinking I do... definitely in, in crowded places and yeah. while traveling I, in big I cities. I feel more comfortable with yeah. it. And also, like you said, it's like, <laughs> if people don't recognize you, then you don't get into those awkward social situations that are so hard. Anyway, <laughs> as so, we were... wash your hands, wear a mask, <laughs> stay at home, keep distance. Keep your distance. Do you, I have this thing that's happened now recently is that if I'm watching a film or a TV show, 
and it's like a scene in public and it feels weird that no one's wearing masks i know <laughs> they're all when touching they each other yes and, um, or when they're like licking things yeah i just or, i can't like, i'm just and i'm waiting for the first realistic films to come out where you know you see scenes in public where everyone's wearing a mask and people are not touching each other and you know putting things in their mouth and um not washing their hands and um, yeah like these massive parties or stuff of like clubs and stuff and i'm it's yeah. so funny you're so right that whenever i, just, I see that now, to me now i'm just like but i don't it's not even that i'm like oh you know those were the good old days it's more like what are they doing <laughs> why aren't they wearing masks why aren't they why are they hugging each other why are they licking things why are they touching you know why are they putting their hands in their mouth you know <laughs> in each other's mouth well both yeah i mean mm. Not that I've been watching stuff where that happens, but like, you know, putting thing, their own fingers in their mouths after touching things, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, or, yeah, sharing, blowing blowing on birthday cakes. Mm. That's something that I'm kind of... Or like sneezing yeah. <laughs> into their hands, you know, and then like touching people with them. Well, it does look weird because it's, I think, for me... It, the, what I thought to myself is the reason it looks weird is because it's so far away from just visually from the reality we're living in right now. Yeah. And this visual discrepancy to that, what we actually experience every day is, is strange. And it, I, I hope they will. I think it would make sense if someone did make a film where people to make it look more like things look nowadays. I think they will. Like, I mean, you could see it in commercials now already here. Like, yeah, they'll, they'll do on the telly. They'll have, you know, things where they're, you know, wearing masks while going to Asda or whatever. Um, I think a, a classic, just sorry, coming back to um, being obsessed with your physical health. Um, a classic one for me, I'm not sure if you've had this too. Um, well, coming back to like, you know, when you have your normal, like very normal viruses and stuff that like just happen every year and they make a round, you know, they make, they have their rounds every year. And especially if you have kids or if you were at school and stuff like this was very common to like be ill at least once a year with these things. And um, I remember <laughs> um, being ill and I'd get quite delirious at some, because you get, you know, you get, you get dehydrated and you don't even want to drink water at some point because like your body's so used to like regurgitating everything that you eat mm. that, um, or everything you consume. So you don't really want to do that anymore. And it was quite hard for our parents to get me to drink anything. Yeah. Um, but I remember like at least once every time I got ill, like at some point I would then get quite delirious and then just like tell my mom that I had, um, kidney failure mm. every time it was like you know because i wasn't you know because i was so dehydrated i wasn't peeing and also my kidneys were starting to hurt and so every time i would sort of um you know tell her in this like crazed state that um that i had kidney failure and i had to go to the hospital <laughs> and then every time she would you know tell me like you know it's very but you know i have to give her credit for this she did um she didn't make fun of me. Like she took me seriously in that moment, but mm. did in a serious tone explain to me that it's very, very unlikely. And all I need to do is drink fluids and then I'll be fine again. Um, anyway, yeah, like we said in the last episode when we were talking about when one worries about things happening, I think with health anxiety specifically, sometimes it can help to just think about the probability of the things happening to me, which I imagine aren't that likely. So thinking about that does actually help sometimes yeah but then there is of course the part in my mind which says but you know 
it's still just a probability and that's the thing as long as there's even the slightest chance my mind yeah. can think of it because it's it's that whole thing that we've and you see some i mean i've seen some um you see like the memes of this all the time and it is it is so accurate of like well what if you know yeah. what if i what if i have multiple organ failure right now you know yeah. and then then your brain's like how likely is that when all you did was eat a salty bowl of pasta right yeah. and then my mind's like yeah that that makes perfect sense but then there's also that voice that says but what if you're wrong you know mm. and well i mean this was something i was thinking about and um i did notice it with myself when there was actually something seriously in the few times in my life when there was something seriously wrong with me and i did need medical attention to um to stop a long painful death i um did actually know i did somehow feel that there was something definitely 100 wrong and i have to go and see a doctor mm. and not just the thought but the feeling and it was slightly different but it's hard to tell them apart when you're very anxious or nervous or panicking and that mm. is i think the difficulty yeah but yeah but i did but I, I do know that it's a, it's a different feeling when i, I think our body does probably usually show us um or with me so far, it probably doesn't apply to everybody. Maybe it doesn't also apply to you. But to me, it did apply when there was something really wrong with me. I did notice it and I did go to a doctor. I feel like there's rarely been, when I'm looking at things now, like throughout this conversation, there have rarely been things where there was actually something like terribly wrong with me. Like I've had some, I mean, I, oh, and I have had, a, I have had pneumonia before. You've had pneumonia. Yes, that was horrible. Okay, I was so ill, and I mm. knew I was ill, and I was I I I was I told the person who I was because I wasn't in Munich at the time. I was I, I was visiting someone, and I told them I was visiting someone in, in abroad, and I told them like I'm really really ill and I'm worried worried, and they would like they they wouldn't take me to the doctor to get antibiotics, and were just like oh it's just a cough it's just a cough it's fine. And it got so bad to the point where I kind of, um, I damaged one of my ribs because of how I was contorting while coughing. Mm. And then that, then of course, like coughing with a, with a damaged rib is incredibly painful. And then when I wound up coming back to, when I came back to Munich and went to the doctor, it turned out I had a, I had a lung infection and that was, you know, it I mean, would have been so easy because I was in, I was in the UK. I could have just gone to mm. i could have just gone to a hospital they would have given me antibiotics it would have been cleared up so quickly but they wouldn't take me to a doctor yeah that's terrible i mean but that was probably like an example where you felt that there was something seriously wrong with you yes and i wasn't being believed and, and that was so i think that's that's so hard actually because the thing is if you if you are quite a hypochondriac who worries about things that a big problem is that then sometimes when there is actually something wrong people don't believe you well it's like the Boy, that cried wolf. Yeah. But um, this is okay. Now another thing for me to worry about. I shouldn't <laughs> show <laughs> people that I'm close to that I'm a hypochondriac. Everyone <laughs> will know now because they've listened to this. Damn it! <laughs> but anyone who's listening to this, like, if you know someone who's like this, please, like, don't like take them seriously. Like, it, nine times out of ten, it might be nothing. But like. It is. It does really exacerbate things if no one's taking you seriously. You know, like obviously, yeah. don't necessarily like encourage it. <laughs> but um, like what my like for instance, when my when I'm when I come to my partner and tell him that I'm dying of multiple organ failure, he does reassure me that it's very unlikely and asks me what I'm what my symptoms are and what mm -hmm. you know, and um, 
you know, check and then the we, vitals, just keep exactly. checking the vitals. <laughs> and then we get to the bottom of it and then we come to the conclusion that it's probably nothing. And then I tell him that he'll feel really bad if I die. And then <laughs> it's fine. But like, if there, if, whenever there is like, Actually, whenever. But that was something that worries about me. I have health anxiety about other people too. Oh I'm God, taking care yes. of someone who's ill. And then, I'm, then I think to myself, <laughs> when is the time when I feel <laughs> the ambulance exactly. for this person? Yes. That is so true. And I have but to first be honest, aid training, like, so I should be good at it. But you, you, know. you should. I mean, I don't have this. Another thing is, well, I told I told my boy. We recently had this discussion. You should I said do first him, aid training. I said to him, "Listen, I don't know anything about first aid. I wouldn't even be able to give him the Heimlich maneuver. Also, because he's like six foot five, I wouldn't. I don't know how I would do the Heimlich maneuver on him. I'm well, too you should, small. You should at least learn how to how to reanimate people. Yeah, I should. You should do a first aid course. It's actually is actually doing a first aid course does help. a no, actually, because yeah, when I was doing it, I was super nervous because they were talking about horrible things that can happen to you and how you have to do it. But I did learn how to do it. And I think it, it does I make me more calm. I think I should definitely calm. do that. It makes me more calm when I'm dealing with, when, when I was working as a train manager, we did actually have, you know, horrific injuries happening to people sometimes. Mm. Good having this 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 education. I think every I think everyone, like in Sweden, I think children do first aid courses at school. They do it at school. Do it. It's the same in America. You do, you do like, I mean, as much as, you know. I and mean, this is something the, I worry about too. I worry about having a having an accident somewhere and, no and nobody one, will know what to do. No one being around will know what to do. So I think everyone should do a first aid. Course. Yeah, I think so too. Like I, I should, you're right. I should get on that. But like, cause I had this conversation with my boyfriend recently. Where Does, I was like, can listen, he, can he do, can he, yeah, do? he can do, he can do it. But okay. then I was, I wasn't worried about me. I was worried about him. Cause I was like, listen, first of all, well, um, you can, if you're, even if you're tiny and you're the person you're, you're helping is, is huge. You can, you can do any, any, most of the, actually all of them. Can you do know. the Heimlich on someone who's very tall? Yeah, yeah, of course you can. Do I have um, to stand on the sofa or do I? No, I know, I know, I know. Um, I might just do, look this up on YouTube. I'm sure they have like I know people who do like first aid who, who know how to, who, who are tiny, physically tiny, and they, they do everything on very big people that, you know. Right, well, that's a relief. Because I was like, that was something I was, I, I had this conversation recently with my boyfriend where I was like, listen, I need, if there's ever a time when you need to go to the hospital, like, I need you to tell me because I won't necessarily like, I don't know when things are at the point where you need to go. And mm. also I said, I don't know how to resuscitate people. So please don't die because I don't know how to get you back. And like, I have this thing that I do sometimes is because he's a very silent sleeper, which is a really great thing, <laughs> but sometimes he's so quiet that I'm scared he's dead. So like sometimes in the night I'll start like checking his pulse and like listening for breathing or like shaking him awake to see if he's still alive because I'm I really scared. That, I find that really annoying if someone did that to me. He doesn't love it. <laughs> but it's sort of, I suddenly, when I, because I you know, try to listen out for like life signs sometimes in the night and then suddenly I realize I can't hear anything and then I get really paranoid that he's died. Mm. Again, the likely, it's not likely it's but, likely, yeah. but you know, I start to worry about it. And then I think about like how awful that would be. And like, what would I do <laughs> if he died? And um, so then I, I make sure he's alive or like sometimes I've, I have, it has gotten to the point where I had to like shake him awake because I couldn't hear him breathing or, and I couldn't find his pulse because I don't know where to find the pulse. You should definitely do a aid <laughs> course as soon as I think, it, you know, do a lot of good. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, thinking about speaking about things, which are, making me anxious we don't have a topic for next week <laughs> so we just we couldn't thought, decide, yeah, decide. so we decided um we would ask the listeners to write to us 
if you have a specific topic uh, that you would like us to talk about, and then we will talk about it in the next episode. So we hope we get lots of uh, lots of things. Where can we be reached, Lois? Okay, so a good one is always our DMs on Instagram. For anyone listening who has Instagram who doesn't follow us yet, um, if you just put in anxiety calling, you'll find us. Our handle is at anxiety calling. So at sign N X I E T Y underscore C-A-L-L-I-N-G, all small. Um, you, we do have a Facebook page. Doesn't have a lot of traffic right now, but obviously um, feel free to look for us there. Again, the handle would be anxiety calling, but it's at anxiety calling, all one word. It occurs to me I should have made all the handles the same. I'm sorry. Anyway, you can find us if you just if you just search for anxiety calling, you should be able to find us too. We also have a Twitter account um, as of, I think, last week or the week before, um, where you could also, if you have, you don't have Instagram, you don't have Facebook, or you can't find us on Facebook, um, you can find us on Twitter if you have Twitter, where we are at anxiety calling one. But if you just, you know, put in anxiety calling, look for the little telephone. That's our slogan or, you know, the picture on our podcast thingy, then you'll be able to find us. And we would really, really like to hear what you would like to hear. And also, if you like, oh, especially if you like this podcast, we would love it if you could leave us a review so that other people who are browsing anxiety podcasts um, know what to expect. If you know anyone with anxiety or who would like to know more about it, please recommend us to them. We would be delighted to have them as a listener.